Uh, I talked about fear last time. I talked about fear and the causes of some of the causes of fear. Uh, I, did, did y'all understand what, we, what I was trying to iterate there? That in the millennial reign, in the coming time, that Isaiah was prophesying to his people, he was prophesying to them that was about to go into captivity. The prophecy was for that, you know, the prophecy it was fulfilled some hundred years later. But also for us today, what we're going through as a people, what we're going through as a nation, and it's not that we should be fearful. God's word comes and gives us comfort. Even the Lord himself says this in the 43rd chapter, first through the fourth verse, it says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame be kindled upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thine Savior. I gave Egypt for thine ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore I will give, thee, I will give men for thee, and people for thine life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thine seed from the east and gather thee from the west. Herein again, he consistently, with that theme, reiterating over for us to fear not, for us to fear not. Now, I was talking, we ended up the other day about fear and where the fear come from and that he had given the law. The law was given, but there was no rest in the law. The law was given because of transgressions. The transgressions had, had entered in because they had departed away from the teaching of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. Abraham and Isaac had taught their children, apparently, the commandments and statutes of God. That's why the Ten Commandments, when it reiterates, remember the Sabbath, the Fourth Commandment. Well, that's not a commandment within itself. It's just saying, remember the Sabbath. Seeing that Sabbath had been created way back in creation, at the beginning of creation. He says here, the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. So if that's the Lord of creation, God's statues and his word stands forever. That That's who God is. That's the essence of God. That's why we have to honor his statues his precepts and his judgment. Herein in our time, he are, he's writing those laws, those statutes and precepts upon our hearts. That's where the circumcision is, is upon our hearts. When we're talking about fear, we all heard the quote and perhaps had thought of another wise and witty statement that it may have came from Shakespeare, uh, from Churchill or somewhere, but it was... Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, who paraphrased this, and, and that it didn't originate with him. He just restated it. They were about to go to war, 
it was at the beginning of the Great Depression or whatever, and the nation was about to go through some tribulation. And he addressed the nation. He says, uh, so first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear, is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes need, needed efforts to convert, retreat, and to advance. And this speech was made in 1933 when the Depression had reached its depths. That, that was at the depths of the Great Depression that he made that statement. Uh, the other day, the president addressed the nation. They didn't carry it over the public broadcasting system. You know, ABC, CBS, and NBC, they didn't carry it. The cable stations and things carried it because they said it would be a, more of a political speech that he was addressing the nation because of the divide that was going on in the nation. And, I, I, you know, for years I've been preaching about this divide that's in the nation, but people still don't see that divide. And the news stories and things that's been coming up about the civil war that's coming, and we know that the nation is torn apart and is tearing apart. It is continuing, so we don't want to be ones that stick our heads in the sand. But there's no unity for the nation. It's no unity for the world because God had pronounced that the world was condemned in Adam. And all of the fears, everything that we have is in Adam. It's in man. It's inherent in our nature instinctively we are born with those. David says in sin that my mother conceived in iniquity I was conceived. And so Satan is the God of this world or whatever so therein lies the fears that are in this world. Uh, we learn in cognitive uh, hypotherapy that when we focus on something then we are priming ourselves to find evidence of that thing happening and that's when you want to buy, say, for example, when you buy a new car, it's, you'll see the model of that car you want everywhere then. When you buy, you know, you may not have a Ford or a Chevrolet, a particular car, that's because you're not focused on it. But the minute you buy that particular car, you'll see, man, it's a lot of people with this kind of car. Whatever it is, your focus, that's what magnifies. It's just that you never noticed it before, but because it's now in your mind, you see it everywhere. And it happens in religion. Uh, and evidence is important, but like the Pentecostals of some people, if you focus on demons and trouble and tribulation and things, that's what you go see. Those are the things that you see because that's what you magnify. You know, to those that want to see a devil behind every bush, there's going to be a devil behind the bush. You're not looking for the good. You're looking for the bad. You're looking for devil. You know, you, that's what the fears drive. You know, people worried about the economy. They worried about uh, racism. They worried about injustice or whatever. That's because they're not focused upon Jesus Christ. 
when Peter was walking up on the water, as long as he focused and magnified Christ in his life, he was all right. But when he looked around at everything going on, that's what happens when we get included in what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is doing this over there. Everybody, it causes mass panic and fear when we follow some of those things. So when we focus on the negative, your unconscious mind will provide you with evidence that the negative taking place and it will no, ignore any contradictory evidence to that fact. That's why I say if we see the world, the, everything that's happening in the world, the injustices, we see racism develop, and we see division, we see uh, the workplace de- degenerating, we see relationships and everything degenerating. That comes in the focus to cause us to be caught up in the spirit of the age or the spirit of the world and not focused upon the word of God, not focused on what Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. There are going to be wars and rumors of war. Stop focusing upon the things around you. Put your mind in Christ in what he's promising and what his word's promising. Because as you start to look in the world, you'll see more people coming together and standing for God and standing for right. His plan is coming together. But because we have more friends and people around us that are not saved, we have more people in the church that are not saved, more people in the church that don't actually have faith in Jesus Christ, more people that are not born again, so they focus us, uh, we get focused up on the negative and the contrary evidence to what God's word reveals has actually happened. So we're walking by sight and not by faith. And that puts us in a position to where we can't please God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith walks by that which is unseen. So we have to see God is bringing this whole thing together. That's why it says, fear not. He says, listen at that second verse again. He says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt be, not be burned. Neither shall the flames kindle upon thee. Whatever you go through, I'm right there with you. It shall not overcome you. You shall overcome it. So we, we should displace that fear. Job and... Uh, third chapter Job and the 25th verse one of the things that Satan I guess realized or saw in Job and see God's way ahead of the curve in all this but one thing Job must have been focusing upon because we know he says perhaps his children had sinned and each day he would offer up sacrifices for his children each morning he would offer up sacrifices things going on in life But apparently in Job's mind, read the whole third chapter, but the 25th verse, it says, For the thing which I greatly fear has come upon me, and that which I am afraid of has come upon me. So there was an amount of fear in him. Like I said, it's inherent in us. That's why a lot of people work into old age, because they may have a fear of being broke, not having enough money. 
A lot of them keep working or whatever because they fear of ill health or falling sick or not being able to carry on, so they're afraid to stop working. A lot of people have a fear of man. There's a lot of different fears out of there out there, and fear comes into focus because we're that's the way we're 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 built uh, instituted but we should be having a transformation of our mind some people don't follow God or don't follow particular religions or holiness because of fear of persecution a fear people would talk about you a fear of different things so all of those fears it's not pointed to God and God tells us the fear not Uh, which is this is one of the things is why it's so important to to be solution focused and that we find our set we find the evidence to show that we're moving in the right direction to where we want to be we need to be in Christ born again the evidence of our faith and to walking in him that's where we want to be in the kingdom of heaven that's we where we have our rest our focus is upon him Casting all our cares and burdens upon him. So if that's our focus, if we get our eyes on Jesus, if we get into the church and let that same mind be in us and there's a transformation going on, uh, Isaiah 43, 1 through 4 is what I've read. And I wanted to read that again in the Amplified Version, but uh, it seemed like I may have introduced a little bit longer than I wanted to introduce. And I was telling you, I was trying to get back to where we were Wednesday when I ended up, that our rest was in the kingdom of God. Our rest is in God. That Jesus comes in the New Testament and he says, Come unto me and rest, all you that are heavy laden that you need to cast your burdens and cares upon him. And that's where we rest, that is in Jesus Christ. Just as a lack of faith or unbelief barred ancient Israel from entering their rest, uh, entering into the promised land. You remember they wandered for 40 years because they kept saying, could God provide this? Could God do that? And they were disobedient unto the word of God. Because of unbelief, they didn't enter in. They didn't believe God. And that's why we have to have belief in Jesus Christ, belief in God, but we must have a purging going on within ourselves. In other words, we should be dying itself, casting out all fears and cowardliness. And I think I read that 21st chapter and the third verse of Revelations about uh, that no cowards, uh, no whoremongers, and the things that wasn't going to enter into the kingdom of God. So we had to end up having, we have to end up purging those things from us. I have it here. We'll go over it in just a minute. But there's a cleansing of the house, a cleansing of the temple of God that we have to align with that comes from the instructions of the word of God. But it, it works through the new birth. It works through being born again. 
there's a regeneration that's going on within us. The Spirit is regenerating us. It's quickening us. It's making us alive. We were dead in transgressions and sin. But Jesus Christ came and set us free. We have liberty in him. Now we have life. We were dead. Listen to that. I'm keep re- trying to read it. We were dead because the law, that's why he gave us the law to show that we were dead, that we were transgressors, we were sinners. We was in a place that we shouldn't have been, but God redeemed us. He says, fear not, Jacob. I've redeemed you. In other words, I bought you back. You were lost. You, The whole world lies in condemnation. It lies in wickedness. So God chose some from the foundations of the world. He chose some that he was going to redeem. And he gave those to Christ. Those he gave to Christ cannot be lost and will not be lost. So that's where the justification comes in. Jesus Christ justified us. In other words, he put us in right standing with God. So that the justice of God, we wouldn't be condemned because we're righteous in Christ Jesus. So we're walking in obedience and continuing in his word. We're doing what's necessary to give us eternal life. He says, in me you have eternal life. Regardless of what the other religions and things preaching, a lot of doctrines and teachings have entered in. But there is no life outside of Jesus Christ. He's the way and the truth, and he is eternal life. He's life within itself. The wages of sin is death, and anyone that doesn't have Jesus Christ lies under those wages of sin is death. They're all in Adam. Unless we're in Jesus Christ, we have death. We have to be in Christ to have life. We're understanding that. So that if God doesn't work in their lives, God hadn't did them no injustice. You remember I was saying that when we were talking about justice, there's no injustice in God. If God fails to act or fails to do something, someone dies and goes to hell or whatever. It's not that God wasn't just. That was what they had coming. We all, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Is that that God determined to show some his mercy. So he says, these I'm going to save. Jacob I've loved. Esau I've hated. So I hadn't did anything for Esau. So God leaves some to their own devices and those that God choose, those that follow his instructions, who take up their cross and deny themselves that follow after him. It's a specific group that's justified in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that God has dealings with and fellowship with. The others are outside of Christ. And they have deaths, but God, the sentence of death was upon them. So God is in the midst of changing our will, changing our nature, changing who we are, bringing us in. There's a restoration to uprightness. We have to be upright in him, walking the right way. So as long as we're holding on to self, remember, I think I talked Wednesday night about grave robbers. In other words, going back and picking up vestiges of the old man because 
that old man is still within you. That old nature that you were born with is there. When you tempt to do good, evil is right there. You have to put it to death. You have to see yourself, the wretchedness, the worm. You have to see, he says, oh, Jacob, you have to see that supplanter. You have to see what you once was, what you are without Christ. That is what you have to mortify. That's what you have to stifle, in other words. You have to put it to death. You can't feed that portion of your nature. You have to starve it to death. Okay. A lack of faith can bar us from entering into our rest, keeping us out of the family of God. In other words, we have to have faith in His Word and trust God. That's something that we have to learn. The fear of God is a learned fear. You have to learn to fear God. That's why Jesus Christ says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You're not born with this knowledge. That's why when a lot of people come into the church and they have previous ideas of conception of what the church should be, they drag these Trojan horses and things in. Maybe you've learned that wrong. Maybe your parents taught you wrong like that. Maybe your grandparents. We don't know where, it, but it wasn't of God. We can't synthesize. We can't synergize religion and make it all one. We have to have this doctrine. We have to have the teaching of Jesus Christ. We have to be in him. It's, uh, we have to have faith. That's what he's coming back looking for, faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to, to, to please God. Without faith. So this is a walk of faith we have to have. It's not anything that you can determine to do. It's the gift of God. It's a gift given by God. And it comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved by God's grace. God graciously determines to shed his mercy upon you and save you. Now through the hearing of the gospel comes. That, that's when a warning comes. The, the gospel is a warning. It's a declaration. It's good news. To some, to some it's the power of God under salvation. But to some, it's a stumbling block. It's a condemnation in the flesh because they become even more dull of hearing that they are locked so he can condemn sin in the flesh. That's why preachers and teachers a lot of times a lot of times it only creates more denseness in you because it's the spirit that gives you life. The spirit gives you understanding. The spirit gives you wisdom. We are seeing that sin is not the result of weakness as we normally think of it, as we are in or weak in the flesh. No, there's what well, yes, there is weakness, but what is the root cause or what is the root of sin? It's cause. When looked at very closely, the root of sin is unbelief. He told Adam, You shall surely die. Uh, Satan said, You shall not surely die. 
who do you believe? You see what I'm saying? It's what you believe. Because of unbelief, they didn't enter into the promised land. It wasn't unbelief that Moses had. It was sin. It was direct anger. Anger caused that in him. It was a part of his nature. You remember Moses supposedly was the meekest man in all of the earth. One of the meekest. But it was learned. He had to learn that meekness. His power under control because Moses lashed out and smote the rock. And God says, because you transgress means sin is transgressions against God. That's why we have to learn. His law shows us what transgressions are. He transgressed God by smiting, by hitting the rock. God had told him to speak to the rock. So that was direct disobedience. It wasn't unbelief. It's just that he disobeyed God. Unbelief is a lack of faith, and it causes and leads to producing sin in our lives, pointing to our real fundamental weakness, a lack of faith. That we need faith. We need a stronger faith. That's why I said God's word, walking in God's word, walking in his way, should give us ever-increasing faith. We should be continually being filled with the Spirit of God. And we know faith is a walk. We know faith is trusting and believing in God. This is Paul's fundamental message in Romans 14 and 23, which says, For whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Okay, Friday. The Bible tells us, fret not thyself because of evil doers. Fretting is a type of sin. It's a type of worrying about the little matters and the little things in life. Maybe big things to us or whatever. Some people it may seem trivial, but to the person that's fretting, it may seem something great or large. But that's why we don't forsake the fellowshipping of ourselves together because others can help us to overcome those problems because that's what the church is for, is to help one another and talk to exhort one another and take us away from anxieties and depression. You know how sometimes you think you really got problems or whatever until you talk to somebody else or talk to somebody that's been through that, they encourage you and strengthen you and enable you to see it ain't as bad as you thought it was, that we're making mountains out of molehills that we may be lacking of faith in an area, that we may be lacking in the things of God in certain areas. So what's causing our problems and our fretting is we ourselves, it's what we just talked about, the weakness of the flesh. Now we don't know where the root cause, that's why I say the causes of fear, uh, we look at the causes of sin. We can break down the teaching of Psalm 37 into seven major areas which we won't go through this morning but David cautions us not to worry about the prosperity of the wicked he writes do not fret because of evil doers nor be envious of workers of iniquity do not be fret because of him who prospers in his way do not fret it only causes harm that's verses 1 through 7 through 8 Jesus includes this point in the sermon on the mount telling us not to worry about our life. Don't worry about food or clothing, what you could put on. 
and the troubles of tomorrow. Uh, that's Matthew 6, 25-34. That's what causes us fear and worry and fretting about different things in life, the provisions of things in life. And if God provides for the sparrows, He provides for the lilies of the field, He'll provide for us. He tells us we have to become like little children, in other words. Little children ain't not worried about the light bill or what they will eat or about their clothing or other things because their parents could provide that for them. Well, we know that if God is our Father, that we're trusting and obedient to Him and that He loves us, that God will provide. He will make a way. That's why we, we stay under uh, in the refuge, uh, in the fortress of God. He who abides in the shadow of the Almighty. We're under His protection. We're under His wing. He's a covering for us. Jesus Christ is a perpetuation. So Jesus Christ atoned, and he, He's responsible for us. Just like you, you're responsible for your children. God is responsible, and that's why he says, none that the Father give me will be lost. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. That's why we have to adhere. We have to listen to his instruction and follow him. It is imperative that we do that. We have to transfer according to uh, Matthew 18 and 3 says, Verily I say unto you, except you become, you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we have to become as childlike. A child can soak up instructions as a sponge. But what happens, the difference with an adult and a child is that we've already been exposed to error. We've been exposed and we were shaping in sin and iniquity. So we must have, we have to die to self as we look at the baptism, if we're buried with Christ, it says that we're dead to sin, we're dead to self. So we should continue on the way we used to live, the things. See, that's where we, where, where we he gives us choices. In the Deuteronomy, he said, I give you a choice. I set before you life and death. The choices is in following God's word and his instruction which lead to life. But see, unlike a child, see, a child is a blank slate in which we form and shape. That's why a lot of times a child goes through uh, beating and chastising. And God uses that word with us. He chastens every son he receives or he scourges them. So we'll go through trial and tribulation. The things that we're going through, the troubles and the problems we're going through, we should know that God's with us and that as a loving Father, He's allowing this. That He's not putting on you more than you can bear. You have to understand as a child of God, He never forsakes such His children. That He's with you in that. You have to trust that He's in the water with you, He's in the fire with you. Wherever you're at, He's with you. He'll never leave. So we have to trust Him to go through that. So that's the childlike thing that you were depending on the parent as my sons and things used to do, my children, my dog, all of They would jump into my arms because why? They know I would catch them. We know God's going to catch us. First Peter 5, 7 says, 
casting all your cares, that is, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, all of it once and for all upon him, for he cares about you. With the deepest affection, he watches over you very carefully. If we cast all of that upon him, don't go back and pick it up. Don't rob the grave. If you turn it over to Jesus, don't go back. You worrying about it. See, can you get your mind off? It's not easy, I know. It's not easy. But we have to learn that once God has control of it, we have to stop having control of it. We have to stop trying to control our lives. We have to stop trying to control our children's lives. We have to be led by the Spirit of God that He's doing the leading. So all of these fears and things melt away if we cast them and place them upon Him and just learn the fear of God. We can practice casting our anxieties on the Lord by stepping away from our attempts to control our worries and leaning into the reassuring words of God. Well, if you say it, read, sing, sing psalms. Read some of the hymns and the psalms. Read the word of God. Study. Look at God's promises. Read and study God's promises. Know what the word of God says. Once we do this, we can see that our anxiety is not a thing on which we should focus as it's going to multiply. It's going to become larger through things of this world or through other things, through those portals, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes will come back those floodgates of fear and worry and consternation depression, anxieties, and everything. So we not love not the world or the things of the world. The Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Job wasn't frustrated about losing his children, his possessions, or anything. He wanted to make sure that he was right in the center of God's will, though. There are fear mongers in life. There are fear mongers consistently, even in this day and time. There are those that say the government will come in and do this, of that all of these things going to happen, that was as it was during the time, Nehemiah's time. You remember in the book of Nehemiah, the 6th chapter and the 13th verse, and Nehemiah wrote about Sanballat and the rest of them came in and trying to frighten him. And it says, For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. So why did Nehemiah call, him, call being a friend a sin? Remember I told you sometimes your neighbors, your friends or whatever, they'll cause you to be a friend or they'll cause you to do things to be fearful of the brain because sin, being a friend, is a sin because it's not trusting God. Worrying about what's going to happen to you. Worrying about the things in life and the anxieties are sin. We're not trusting and, and believing God that he could sustain us and keep us. We're not having faith in it. There are people that do that right now. That's what a lot of the news stations and things have you fearful and distrustful, especially during the pandemic and other things. All of that is sin. That's what gets you sidetracked it takes away from your rest and your peace. Uh, 
Because fear and worry, fear and worry call God a liar, insinuating that his words about his sovereignty, his love, his power, and his faithfulness are not to be trusted. That's what that insinuates, to be afraid, to be fearful, right? That God's word says he's going to do this, he's going to do that, that you can trust him, that you can rely upon him. To be afraid, though, is doubting whether God can do it. Can God provide food for us? Can he provide water? You know, if you don't help yourself, if you don't do this, God helps them that help themselves. No, God helps those that trust and rely upon him. Fear and worry mirror the attitudes of a faithless Satan who believes God exists but does not believe what he says. Sounds like today's people. Sounds like a lot of people I know. They believe God exists. And by their very actions, they don't believe what God says. Do you understand the magnitude of what I'm saying there? How many people you know that believe in Jesus Christ but don't go to church? How many people you know that believe that you should live by the Ten Commandments but don't follow them? And if they don't follow, those are the greatest because, remember, if you come in the church, the Ten Commandments mostly is the least of the believers of Jesus Christ worries. The worries are, oh man, I didn't even know that this was sinful. I didn't know this was wrong. Here's the small thing. It's these little details that's tripping me up. All of these other things that I didn't learn. That's why he says, for Satan not to assemble together. That's why he said, teaches it all of these other things in the church. And that instructs us and purges us so we could be among those that are justified. Because only the ones that are continuing in his word are his disciples. Are the ones that's being made white. Are being washed in the blood of the lamb. You must be washed in his blood. That's the only way we're going to become cleansed. You're cleansed by the word. If I wash thee not, you have no part with me. If his word doesn't cleanse you, you have no part. You can believe. It says the devils believe in trouble. Just because you believe that there is a God, that doesn't make you a follower of God. Philippians 6 tells us, be anxious for nothing. You didn't heard of that one? Be anxious for nothing. In other words, we're commandment, don't worry about anything. That's another absolute from God. Why would you worry? Isn't you could even hear sinners tell you that worry is a sin. If you worried about something, you can't do anything about it anyhow. That's the reason you worry. Why not give it to God? Do like Daniel, lay down in the lion's den and go to sleep. You can't do nothing about it. You there now. Either God's going to bring you through that or not. So if you have problems, you have problems, you look into God to bring you through those problems. You say, I bring you through the water, I bring you through the fire. So there's a lot of things going on in your life. If God doesn't help me, is that what the king said? What can I do if God don't help you? How can I help you? To be afraid, worry, anxiety, or foreboding, question God's goodness and his care. You know what foreboding is. Okay. And, and you know, sometimes we can imagine the evil. You know, 
I, I tell the story about my wife sometimes, my children meeting did something or whatever. That's foreboding or whatever because they were at five o'clock what's gonna happen when daddy get home? What's gonna happen when this so why put ourselves in a position about the stock market, worried about what's gonna happen with the price of gas or inflation and all of these things? You've been eating all these years. Look like a lot of us been eating pretty good. So why are we worried? That that's what Franklin Delano Roosevelt was talking about going in at the in the midst of the Great Depression. There were food problems and things. I know your parents and people done told you about the Great Depression. But those that didn't fear, he says, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. What's gonna happen is gonna happen. Let's go through this with God. The only way we can go through this is that God brings us that we trusting him and leaning upon him. Uh they display a lack of faith in his promises of wise and gracious providence and cast doubts on the depth of God's love and Christ has for us that all of these things cast a shatter. Religious people should be the most reassuring people it is. That's why I say this speech that the president gave the other night and the position the nation is, I don't think the Christians are coming up to what we should be doing as a people. We should be a rock. Remember, Jesus was a rock. We have to be rocks during this time. We can't be the ones that's throwing rocks. We have to be the rock. We have to be firm. We have to be examples. If we cannot trust God, how can he ever trust us? He's faithful when we're not faithful, but if we can't trust him, he couldn't trust us. Why would Christ marry forever someone who doubts his love? See, that's a problem if if your wife or somebody always trying to make you prove that love and that they, they doubt that you really loved him. We have to know assuredly that Christ loves us. Though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. Whatever is happening or he's doing is for my betterment. He has my utmost in mind. He loves me just as he loves Christ. Whatever's happening, some people say if he loved you, he wouldn't be doing you that. Those are fear mongers. Those are trying to get you to cast doubt on God's provision and what he has for you. That's why a lot of times sometimes your spouse or your children are urging you, well, you must don't love me if you won't do this for me or whatever. They want to quit pro quit. they saying that due to your actions, is that what Delilah told Samson? If you love me, you tell me your secrets. You tell me these things. So we have to have faith in Christ, faith in his word and everything that he does love us with an ever-living love and God loves us just as he loved Christ. Rather than give in to fear and worry, we choose an action to believe God and his love. If we believe in the depths of, of the love of God, and that's John, I told you the other night, I didn't have it wrote down. John seventeen twenty three. we went through those, John 15 and 13. But the one I didn't have wrote down, 
I wrote it down uh, this time. It says, For perfect love cast out fear, First John 15 through 18. Whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know by personal observation and experience that, and have believed with deep and a consistent faith the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continuing him. In other words, the one who goes through every situation and doesn't waver in love continues to love. In other words, no matter what pressure or what's going on with me, I still love my enemies. I still love those around me. Those that's despitefully using me and mistreating me, I still love. I love when being persecuted because God's word said that I'm blessed when people are doing these things to me. That I'm a child of God if I have the ability to do that. Because why? That means God is consistently abiding in me if I abide in love. Because I can't hate my brother and love God. So all of these are characteristics of God living in you, but the old man dying. Death to self. It's not how I feel about these things. It's not my will that's being... It's nevertheless His will being done. I'm trusting to do it this way and that I'm going to end up for the betterment that He's going to reward me according to my deeds, my doings. In other words, there's going to be abundant rewards for those that follow after Christ and follow Him. Greatest our rest in Him and one day, payday is coming. Payday is coming and I know that He's going to pay all those that mistreated me that did all of these things. So why should I curse them? Why should I try to avenge myself or whatever if I believe that vengeance is God and that he who touched you touched the apple of my eye? What that you've done the least of these, you've done unto me. So that means I shed violence. I don't have to be a violent person. This is a very violent nature nation. It's a violent Christianity it's a violent and divisive, divisive world, uh, nation we living in. But I don't have to be that word way, because Christ says keep them in the world, but keep them away from the evil that's in the world. So all of those thoughts and ways, I can't carry those because that's not a part of who a child of God is. I have to died to those very things. That's what American is. That's what being the president was saying. Being American is being de- democrat democracy. What you stand for as we as a people is we the people, he says. So as the children of God, we the children of God, we have to be in the unity of the faith until we all come into the unity of the faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We have to be unity. We have to be unified in Christ. So that goes across all political, all creeds, everything. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. Because why? Let's continue. It says, The one which has for God, God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. 
disunion and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. That is, with assurance and boldness of faith to him, because as he is, so are we in the world. As he is, we're the same. There's no difference. We're just, we're one with him. There's no fear in love. In other words, there's no dread or anything like that. You can say, well, with this, you know, some people dread their, if if God loves me, why should I fear him with a dread of what he's going to do to me? I was watching a show the other night, and I was telling my wife that this man had his hands around this woman's throat. I said, but he can't choke her to death because that's a woman that he loved that he was going to marry or whatever. Something in him couldn't bring him to kill that person. Well, could you kill your child if you actually love your child? Can you do any harm? It doesn't exist in you. That's why when God says, you go kill, he knew the burden that was upon Abraham, but he knew Abraham loved him more and that Abraham trusted and believed in him that I trusted and believed in God so much that he gave me a child and he told me that this child would be the heir, that this child would be the promised seed. So I'm going to go and kill this child, this promised seed, because that ain't none of my problem. That's God's problem to raise him from the dead. Because his word is, and I have faith in his word, is that Isaac, remember he specified to Sarah, he said, no, Isaac is going to be that promise seed. Sarah tried to bring that seed through through Hagar, Ishmael. When he says, no, through Isaac is the promise. So Abraham knew that if he killed Isaac, God was going to have to raise him from the dead. That God was going to have to do these things because he had God's promise that this was was Isaac would do. That's why Isaac is a type of Christ. That's why he's going to raise us. If we are buried with Christ, we rise up to walk in the newness of life. We're just as Christ was. We have that power. Someday we have the earnest of that inheritance. He's given us a, a little taste of it right now. But we are joint heirs with Christ. One day we'll share in everything that he has. Because we're joint heirs with him. So perfect love dries out all fears because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. And so we know that God's not going to punish us. He's not going to bring his wrath upon us because we are children of God and we're judging ourselves. He said, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. So each and every day we're judging self. We're putting self to death. So when God comes, we done lost our life, so we will save our life. He say, he who tries to save his life. If you try to live in pleasure and do all the things of the world, not, you're going to lose your life. But if you die with him, suffering with him, and are buried with him, you'll gain your life. There's life and liberty in him. Then he says, go come on in and enter into my rest. So that we can say, as David said, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Uh, I have 10 minutes left to do all of these pages, uh, which I won't make it. 
In Psalm 78, David succinctly cuts to the heart of Israel's problem, and by extension, ours. When he says to Israel, what he's talking about Israel is the same problem we have. He says, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. And that's what the world is today. They're extending or exchanging God for another Jesus, another teacher, another doctrine. Doubting God's love for is at the for us is at the core of the sin of faithlessness. Faithlessness. And that's what the Antichrist is. That's what the ones that's been transformed in the ministers of God. That's why he says he's going to fight against the church because the church have left the upstanding and the uprightness in Christ and they're preaching doctrine contrary to sound doctrine. The false Satan's ministers have been transformed into ministers of life. So it's a lot of the churches that are misleading the people today. And he said he's going to fight against the church. Remember, judgment begins at the house of God. This doubt was a major characteristic of our ancestors. It was a characteristic of ancient Israel because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is God going to take care of us or he's going to kill us and all of our children or whatever? Notice when people get into the church or sometime when they come toward God, they start telling the leaders and the people what what is to do. You know, you didn't got so smart. You know, you, your children get to a point where they think they can teach the parents of the parents need to learn from them that's a dangerous point to be in when you get smarter than your teachers are they never overcame this sin of faithlessness but we must overcome that sin the stakes are so much higher for us and I told you in the book of revelations it is sombering to consider the faith of the fearful and the unbelieving it says but no cowards or no fearful or unbelieving should enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you feel, if you're a coward, if you're not steadfast, you can't enter into the kingdom of God because you're not pure, you're not holy. Fear is in there, and no sin enters in the kingdom of God. It has to be purged out. That doubt, remember I told you about the man that says, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Well, that portion of unbelief has to be removed. That's why I say we should be getting stronger. And I think that was a good message the other day. The president said, "We the nation has to come to a head sooner or later, better sooner than later. So if this division, if this war is coming, we have to go on and bring it. The church has to help put this battle in array. We don't need to keep procrastinating. And Jesus said, if the fire is already kindled, Let's bring it to where it should bring. I think that's mighty powerful. That if the Democratic Party stands up and stop cowering down and let this thing, let this chaos evolve to where God comes in and set the nations right. God tested the faith of Adam and Eve and of Abraham. Adam and Eve failed. God, over a period of time, Strengthen Abraham to Abraham came of a to a point where he passed that test. He's the father of faith. God will pull every human being to that same test. We'll all be tested. But we want him to keep us doing that hour of trial and testing. That's testing coming from all of us. 
as we cope with these tests, we need to stir up, as he told Timothy, to stir up the gift that within us. God had given us a spirit, but he had not given us a spirit of fear. We have to stir up the spirit that God had given unto us. Just as the speech ignited things the other day, the preaching of God's word should ignite us. It should have the battle brewing in the church. To the fight starts in the church. We will have to stop and we will have to have God come in and judge among us between sheep and sheep. The church has to be piety. You can't run up in the church and hide. You remember I said the gospel, the preaching of the word, it condemns sin in the flesh. There are a lot of hirelings that come in. There's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. We need to skin them too, don't we? God didn't give us a spirit of fear. When this thing starts cooking, we're going to have to have God's spirit, that spirit of boldness. Remember, Peter changed from that cowering person that denied he knew Jesus and he stood for God with the Word of God. That's our rod, is the Word of God. We have the same choice of Adam and Abraham. It is our decision to believe God or to believe what we see the visible circumstances that we face. We can believe God or believe what we see is happening. Faith is faith is life, according to Habakkuk 2 and 4. For the just shall live by faith. That's our life. That's the way we live. And faithlessness is sin, according to Romans 14 and 23. Because without faith it is impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. And it's death the wages of sin is death. So Romans 14 and 23 says, But he who is uncertain of, is a condemned if he eats because he is not acting from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is done with doubt is sinful. If you're doubting that, it's sinful. Whatever is not of faith is sin. The Living Bible says, Anything that is done apart from what he feels is right is sin. Anything apart from what God's word. See, that's the conscience we have to have. Righteousness. If it's against righteousness, not our righteousness now, the righteousness of Christ Jesus. It's, if it's against his righteousness, it's sin. So that's why I say his statutes and precepts, all that which is right, that's why our thoughts and ways has to line up with his in that he's going to punish that which is not like him. Anything unlike him can't exist. It's going to be burned in the fire. We can all be of one mind, of, of all the same mind. God entreats us to choose life. He said, I said before you, life and death. So as we go through this last thing that I wanted to cover, I'm not going to make it there, is fear of God is a learned response. According to Psalms 34, 8 and 11, I'll read it, though it says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Your sons and daughters, come and listen and let me teach you the importance. The Amplified says, let me teach you the importance of 
trusting and fearing God. But this is something that's taught. The trusting and fearing of God. The fear of the Lord is not something that comes naturally, but must be learned. That's not a natural thing. This is supernatural. These are the things that's added unto us. We're not born with these things. You're not born fearing the Lord. It is in fact the essence of true religion. It's the essence. And what we say, an essence is what makes something what it is. It's the real nature of a thing. That's the essence. Well, the essence of this, the essence of true religion is the fear of God. Because the fear of God is the beginning of understanding and knowledge. That's where we get wisdom when we fear God. The fear of Proverbs, is it 7 and 1 or something? The fear of God is the beginning, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the real nature of the religion, the way of life, and it's the way of God. So like I said, it's, it's learned. It is in us to fear instinctively when we are little children, and that's why we have to become as little children learning to fear God, learning the Word of God. So, we, you know, right now, that's the reason we walk by faith. We just pay our tithes because we know that if we don't do that, we'll result into financial ruin or different things go out. We know that we should love one another and not fight with one another, but as brothers and people growing up, there's a lot of division and fighting. There's some fighting at high schools the other day, and I've seen it on the news where they fight. But that's not a society that fears God because we shouldn't fight with one another. We shouldn't strive. We fear being left alone. We fear falling. We fear sudden noises, and we fear the weather. We fear almost in, that's instinctively, but if, if we have God, we stop fearing all of those things. We fear of doing the wrong things because God is our Father. And we don't do anything to transgress our Father. That couldn't be, that's not a part of our nature or a part of who we are. That's not the essence of us anymore. Are we understanding what I'm saying? When you develop the essence of God, in other words, the fear of God, that's when you could start completely changing. That's the mind that he wants. That's the renewing and the transforming of our mind. Fear not, but fear God. Heavenly Father.